0: The MLane Solutions, episode 22, coming at you right now.
1: Society, if you exhibit quote unquote schizophrenic tendencies, you are immediately drawn out of the pack and put under the care and tutelage of master shamans. You are told you are special, your abilities are very central to the health of our society. You will cure, you will prophesy, you will guide our society in its most fundamental decisions. Contrast this with what a person exhibiting schizophrenic activity in our society. Is told so You don't fit in. You are becoming a problem. You don't pull your own weight. You are not of equal worth to the rest of us. You are sick. You have to go to the hospital. You have to be locked up. You are on a par with prisoners and lost dogs in our society. So that treatment of schizophrenia makes it incurable. Imagine if you were slightly odd and the solution were to take you and put you, lock you into a place where everyone was seriously mad. That would drive anyone mad. If you've ever been in a madhouse, you know that it's an environment calculated to make you crazy and to keep you crazy. Uh, This would never happen in in an aboriginal or traditional society. I wrote a book, I mean this has to be the wrap-up because we're over time, but I wrote a book called The Archaic Revival. I signed it tonight for some of you. The idea there is that we have gone sick by following a path of untrammeled rationalism, male dominance, Attention to the visible surface of things, uh, practicality, bottom lineism. We have gone very, very sick. And the body politic, like any body, when it feels itself to be sick, it begins to produce antibodies or strategies for overcoming the condition of dis ease. And the 20th century is an enormous. Effort at self-healing. Phenomena as diverse as surrealism, body piercing, psychedelic drug use, sexual permissiveness, jazz, experimental uh, dance, rave culture, tattooing. The list is endless. What do all these things have in common? They represent various styles of rejection of linear values. The society is trying to cure itself by an archaic revival, by a reversion to archaic values. So when I see people manifesting sexual ambiguity or scarifying themselves or showing a lot of flesh or dancing to syncopated music or getting loaded or violating ordinary canons of sexual behavior, I applaud all of this because it's an impulse to return to what is felt by the body, what is authentic, what is archaic, and when you When you tease apart these archaic impulses, at the very center of all these impulses is the the desire to return to a world of magical empowerment, of feeling, and at the center of that impulse is the shaman, stoned, intoxicated on plants, speaking with the spirit helpers dancing in the moonlight, and vivifying and invoking a world of conscious living mystery. That's what the world is. The world is not an unsolved problem for scientists or sociologists. The world is a living mystery. Our birth, our death, our being in the moment, these are mysteries. They are doorways opening on to unimaginable vistas of self-exploration, empowerment and hope for the human enterprise. And our culture has killed that, taken it away from us, made us consumers of shoddy products and shoddier ideals. We have to get away from that. And the way to get away from it is by a return to the authentic experience of the body. And that means sexually empowering ourselves, and it means getting loaded, exploring the mind as a tool for personal and social transformation. Uh, the, The hour is late. The clock is ticking. We will be judged very harshly if we fumble the ball. We are the inheritors of millions and millions of years. Of successfully lived lives and successful adaptations to changing conditions in the natural world. Now the challenge passes to us, the living, that the yet to be born may have a place to put their feet and a sky to walk under. And that's what the psychedelic experience is about, is caring for, empowering, and building a future that honors the past honors the planet and honors the power of the human imagination. There is nothing as powerful, as capable of transforming itself and the planet as the human imagination. Let's not sell it straight. Let's not whore ourselves to nitwit ideologies. Let's not give our control over to the least among us, rather, you know, claim your place in the sun and go forward into the light. The tools are there. The path is known. You simply have to turn your back on a culture that has gone sterile and dead, and get with the program of a living world and a reempowerment of the imagination. Thank you very very. Major
2: heavy for people. We don't love
1: people to say
0: we gon' mess around and blow it all away. Damn, I guess we're gonna have to be. Wash your hands, then you shine, or you won't grow. You can't tell lies and messes with
1: design. I wouldn't
0: do that. Mm-hmm. I would one day. Get caught up a bind, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you don't right away, make up your mind. Don't stop. Enough talking about these things. Let's get back. Crazy. a text this morning from a friend asking me, quote, what do you think about the state of American politics today? Translation, why is Donald Trump president? And what do you think about that? And this is fucking bullshit. The mere mention of the name Donald Trump elicits an f- instant freak out from half of the population here in the United States. That's the truth. It's a very divisive issue. So, back to the question. What do you think about Donald Trump? I think, I think it's total, total surrealism right now. I, I, I have a strange perspective. I'm a strange kind of guy. And I like where things are going total surrealism, there's a bit of chaos. You get this guy in the White House who is obviously unfit for the presidency. And oh, and let me, let, me, let me preface this because I did not vote for Donald Trump. If the election were today, again, I would not vote for Donald Trump. You have to preface this because if you don't, then people, you know, you, you immediately get lumped in with the KKK or oh, the alt-right. But anyway, what I was saying is that it's total surrealism. And listen, it's a total shit show. This system is broken, it's outdated. You know, Senate, Congress, House of Representatives, Electoral College, presidents, voting. You know, it's, it's total ridiculous. We, we need to replace this whole thing. Uh, and hopefully in the future, I do see this happening in the future, there being a blockchain, voting system online where people can vote that is if you do believe in democracy and if you do believe that that we are allowed to impact policies made by the military industrial complex by corporations these people at these high levels that have their own agenda but anyway off topic one thing that i do like about what donald trump's doing I like his Twitter game. I think his Twitter game is so innovative and he's pushing the envelope. I I think it's punk rock. I think it's so extreme. His generals, his cabinet, everyone is screaming, please stop tweeting. The guy just will not stop tweeting. Ridiculous incendiary firebomb provocations from his cell phone. Uh, you know it's strange. He he can actually render the media ineffective, and and people don't want to hear this, but our media is biased. You know there there are a lot of corporate sponsorships, invested interests in the media, but for the sake of our argument, this guy has discovered that he can use Twitter to circumvent the media and talk to the American people directly without any censorship <laughs> and he can kind of advocate for whatever he wants to. No president has ever done that before. He's using technology as a 70-year-old madman <laughs> and listen, make no mistake, I think that his Twitter game, I think that his use of Twitter uh, is it's definitely, it can be, it's irresponsible It's uh, probably a risk to the national security. I would even say that his use of Twitter easily could deliver World War III. It could lead to the total end of civilization as we know it. I'm under no illusion. And if I had my way, I'd I'd rather he not be on Twitter. Let's just put it that way. But listen, every situation in the world, every scenario that you can contemplate, is like a jewel. It's like one of those crystals that has a million facets. And you can tilt it upward toward the light and you can examine this facet. You can look beneath it and examine another facet. Everything's nuanced. It's not black or white. So while it sounds like this is a, this is a pro-Donald Trump commercial, it's not. I'm just talking about his innovative use of social media. Technology. I'm just, I'm just extracting that one aspect, and I'm contemplating it from various angles. I think it's very innovative. Ah, yes. my ears are burning. I can hear people very pissed off right now hearing me talk about this again. You're preaching to the choir. I get it. I'm see. I'm coming from more of an anarchistic perspective, to be honest with you. So I I like the way he's in there single-handedly warping and and smashing this extremist political correctness, this inflexible social norm that we've gotten used to in the culture. Every single day, he's crossing a new line. You can just see it. These expectations that we've all had are, are just melting and people are short circuiting you know it's just like what what's what's going on here it's very it's very interesting i'm enjoying it it's, it's strange i suppose i have somewhat of a detached view because i think the existence the complete reality the fact that i'm here talking to you is i think it's all absurd that doesn't mean that I, that I have a fatalistic view. I'm just saying it's completely absurd. We should enjoy it. Why are not we enjoying this? I also, what I also do admire, how, how straightforward he is. I know he's lying a lot of the times. Uh, he's, he's rude and offensive, totally uh, dividing the nation. So I don't agree with all that. But I like the straightforwardness and listen, in our society, we expect politicians to be robotic, ultra-PC, and to say all the right motivational, milquetoast shit at the right time, and to not point with their index, but with a thumb. We expect this, and this guy's, this guy's doing the opposite. Everyone's freaking out. But that's, that's just how innovation works. As a matter of fact, the more innovative something is, the more uncomfortable it will make you if you look back with hindsight. Take this for example, and I always, I always say this, the further into the future you project your imagination, the weirder and more surreal that future society becomes. So if you take someone from the 1500s, and even if you show them the 1920s, their minds will be blown. There are mechanical chariots called cars, Invisible ragtime music is emanating from phonographs. There are skyscrapers, factories with smokestacks, fashion, magazines, moving pictures, movies, hot dogs, chewing gum. You know, it's, it's very strange. And it would make someone from the 1500s ultra uncomfortable because they don't understand it. And it's, it's the same thing. If you, took, if you took someone from the 1800s Okay, I'm not even going back to the stone ages. I'm just saying the 1800s and if you showed them 2017, it would be completely surreal. You got faces inside of flat screens. You can talk to someone across the planet on FaceTime instantaneously. Skinny jeans, Nike fly knits, acrylic nails, trap music. Like it's just, it's just nuts. And so we look back and we laugh and we say, oh, that's so cute. People, people in the 1800s or the 1900s 1910s, their little minds would be blown by our fantastic future. They're so cute. But look, the same thing is going to happen to you. You think because you have an iPhone, you have the, the new BMW i3, you got a Tesla, you think that makes you immune to future shock? Nobody is immune to the weirdness of the future. Listen, the weird shit that is awaiting us in the future will make the most progressive person today squirm. They're going to have gene therapy that can regenerate the body. People are going to live hundreds of years. A lot of people in today's society think that's unnatural. That's the convention. That's the science. That's the religious doctrine. What happens when the day comes and people are uploading their consciousness? to a quantum entangled cloud so that if your body were to die or become compromised, you could recreate a body and download that consciousness back up into the new body. That makes a lot of religious people uncomfortable because that goes against the, the teachings of life and death, heaven and hell. Where are consciousness downloads in the Bible? Nowhere. How about the fact that in the future, as a cultural rite of passage, people will transform back and forth between genders from a man into a woman. They'll become a woman, they'll, they'll bear children, they'll have a, a child, and then they'll become a man again. And they'll do that several times over lifetimes. That seems like a very strange alien culture. And listen, the average person today wants nothing to do with a reality that even remotely resembles something like that. So, you know, to bring, to bring this thing full circle, to bring it home, let me just tell you that in the future, there aren't gonna be any politicians, there aren't gonna be governments. The entire global community, the entire global culture, is gonna be run by godlike artificial intelligence. They'll be the custodians of the global culture. And those AI can actually craft hyper-realistic simulated realms, programmed virtual architecture, virtual worlds that are a trillion times more realistic than the most advanced virtual reality that we have today. And in that future, huge swaths of the population The planetary population will spend most of their time dwelling inside of those simulated realms. They'll endlessly quest through thousands of cycles of narratives of lifetimes. They'll cycle through mundane life narratives. They'll cycle through the most novel, extravagant, luxurious, wondrous lifetimes as well. They'll do so through the use of programmed biological bodies, avatars. What if I told you that the reality that you're sitting in, you and I are sharing, this thing that we call life, what if it's just one of an infinite amount of simulated realms created by that future civilization? And our consciousness, the the true root of our life is not in the body but is existing in a different reality frame, maybe 500 years from now. And it's, it's just controlling your body avatar in this simulated version of 2017. Maybe you decided, you know what, I, I want to go back to 2017. I, w- I want to see Donald Trump usher in that nuclear Holocaust. I want to see what happened. And that's, and that's where you are now listening to this podcast. You're here, you're here on that ride. And that when you die, you're just going to wake up in a room. And a, a little woman is going to float over to you. Maybe she'll be a human. May, maybe, in reality, we're not human. Maybe we wake up and you look drastically different. Uh, some other life form. Anyway, this woman floats over to you and she asks you, Oh, you know, how was your... How was your simulation? And you are you're hazy, you're in shock, you say, Oh, oh my God, that was so real. How long? How long was I was I immersed for? And she says, 15 minutes. You, you came during your lunch break. <laughs> but the time, the time continuum is, is so flexible. It's so liquid. So it seemed as if it was 85 years, but in reality, it wasn't that long. You know, yeah, I know it sounds strange. I know it sounds like a far-fetched, crazed vision. And maybe you think me quite mad right now. But that, in essence, is, that is future shock shock that you're experiencing right there. Your mind can't come to grips with that actually being a possibility. I don't blame you. This reality, I have a feeling, there are going to be so many doors opening in the next 10 to 20 years. Reality is going to become very slippery. It'll be be hard to hold, it'll be like water slipping through your fingers. But that's just symptomatic of venturing further and further into the future. What can we do? We're on this ride. Is it real, is it not real? I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know if you guys out there are real. If anyone on the street is real, maybe this is a simulated realm. And everyone around me, including you, you guys are just simulacra, simulated extras. And I'm the only actual living person in this simulated realm. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe I'm simulacra and you're the only one who's real. Maybe, or maybe it's just the Judeo-Christian narrative. You know, <laughs> and you know, listen, oh my God, what a strange reality. As my cat stares dead into my eyes with such a look of disdain. What was the, uh, the there's a new John Mouse record that's coming. I think it's called Touchdown. Check like this, it's, it's a
1: なくて海の中から首を出し
2: graduate high school, so I can get into a good college, need to study hard to get a good GPA, so maybe I can go to graduate school, uh, so maybe I can do well in my LSAT, that becomes the next goal, get into law school, the next goal, graduate from law school, get into a partnership, become a lawyer. And that's how teenagers often think about their life, these series of like, ticks that they have to go through. But here's what happens, let's actually look at that, let's look at lawyers. 50% of lawyers in America are clinically depressed. It's not just the US. I think Australia did a similar study. So why are kids going into these professions where they end up in, in a job that they thought was a good goal at one point, only to find themselves absolutely miserable? And I say that with some confidence because I, at a certain point, was working in the legal industry. I was selling technology to law firms, and I would speak to lawyers on the phone and diagnose what was going on in their, in, in, in their law firms, and it was shocking how many of them actually hated their jobs and wanted to quit. But why is it that teenagers go into these roles? Now, it's not just just lawyers. We set our goals to have two cars and a house of a certain size, to be in a marriage. It's because these goals aren't coming from inside us. They're coming from the culture scape. And the culture scape is basically a safety net mechanism. You see, for the longest time in human history, we had to watch out for each other. There were wars, there were disease. Go back a thousand years, to wild animals that might kill you. So you had to follow certain rules of the culture scape to stay safe. Right. Among these were get a good education, so you are not stuck in a factory job, so that you can have a blue collar job. It was get married, so if you're a woman, you have a man to provide for you. It was have five kids, because you know if you go back 50 years ago, um, infant mortality was so much higher, you had five kids, two were going to probably pass away. But the problem is, people continue with these same rules in today's world Man. when everything has changed. So the question so the thing is, I don't believe in goal setting because when you teach traditional goal setting, people are locked into the rules of the culture scape. So here's what I suggest. I suggest we ask ourselves three questions and I call these the three most important questions. Now the first question is this, it's what experiences do I wanna have? Okay, now I'll tell you why that's important. You see, there are two types of goals. They are means goals and they are end goals. So people tend to chase means goals, not realizing these are very different from end goals. A means goal is do well in my LSAT, graduate from college, get that particular job, save up for retirement. But if you ask these people why do you want that, there's always a so. Well, I wanna I wanna I wanna qualify for college so I can do this. Right. I wanna get a, wanna become a lawyer so I can do this. Well the so leads you to the end goal. Now, what are end goals? End goals are these things that really lead to the, the beauty of being human. It's waking up next to someone you madly love. It's holding your first child in your arms. It's having a puppy. It's seeing your business open for the first time. It's making that, you know, getting that first customer. It's completing your first book. It's creating a work of art and having people admire it and fall in love with it. These are end goals. So what I advocate is, and the three most important question is, forget the means goals means goals are goals designed by the culture scape instead go straight to the end goals now the first question you ask yourself to identify your end goals is what experiences do i want to have in life and this is where you start writing down your experiences yeah. <clears throat> and um yeah. you know when i do this exercise i ask people to take out a very piece of paper, interesting
0: r- draw three interesting i was riding my bike i got an electric bike i'm very i'm so proud proud of this electric bike you have no idea I got, do you, have you ever heard of an electric bike? I never heard of an electric bike before three months ago. An electric bike is the thing between a regular bike and an electric scooter. It's a bike that has an electric motor, usually in the back wheel or like on the frame somewhere of the bike. And as you pedal, this motor assists you. It's almost like you're bionic. So the bike can go like 20 miles an hour with you barely touching the pedals. And there's even, a, there's even a throttle on the handle. So if you don't even want to pedal the bike, you can just hit the throttle and the bike moves itself kind of like a scooter. That's a, that's a long story for basically just talking about the last clip. Sorry about the cheesy music in that clip as well. I don't know why these people feel the need to put this like corny uh, new age music in the back, like it's gonna uplift you or something, like his words were enough for me. The the cultural brainwashing, the autom- automaton track that most of us are on, set by the culture that we're not aware of. Anyway, I was riding my e-bike listening to that clip about two weeks ago and I found it, I, it was so alluring to me, it was so fascinating, it was resonating so much that, it, I made a mental note and I said, I'm going to put that in the podcast. And I I just really hope they don't mind that cheesy music in the background. I hope they don't notice. Anyway, I got to wrap this up, man. I'm getting on the plane, cutting it short. Thank you for listening to the podcast, episode 22 of the M Lane podcast. Go check out the website, em-lane.com. More podcast episodes to come. I'm on my way to Japan, work on some thoughts over there, draw a little bit, go take walks in the mountains, in the hills, and uh, I'll get back at you soon enough. I hope you guys are safe. This is Orion Coats, Sunny Coats. Remember that, Emerald Lane, dot ecom End of
2: line.